0: the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host. I am super pumped that you are listening. On this episode of Water with Lemon, I'm going round two with Jean-Marie Rich. Last week, we talked about the adoption story of her son, Isaac, that led into a conversation on being vulnerable with our community. Today, Jean-Marie and I dive a little bit deeper into what it looks like to truly love your neighbor and be open and honest with the people around you. I think you're really going to dig this one also i wanted to share with you guys the chance to get an amazing deal with audible i'm sure many of you have heard of audible and they're offering my listeners a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service we've been talking about a lot of different books on the podcast and it's not always easy to find time to pick up a book to read with audible you can listen on any of your devices at any time So go to the link in my profile on Instagram to get your free trial or go to audibletrial.com slash podcast. Be refreshed, my people. Hey, Jean-Marie. Hey. I am so excited to have you back again on the podcast. I know. That's what I get for being, uh,
1: you know, have so many words.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I think it is so needed because this is a big topic and you know I loved being able to hear your story of adoption and we kind of got to the very end of it there at the end of the last uh, podcast and so we're like okay well let's just do another one and expand on it which I think people are going to be really excited about so you know Jean Marie and I just talked a little bit about how we covered some some things about being vulnerable and open with your community what what it looks like to be a leader, and also be vulnerable, not pretending like you have it all together. So we just wanted to um, be able to give uh, the listeners kind of what it looks like in all areas of our life. So so let's talk a little bit, Jean-Marie, about what it looks like to create community in all our different circles. So let's start with, like, literally where you live. What does it look like to love your neighbor? Literally.
1: Yeah. And it's so funny that we think of this scripture. We, you know, for me, I grew up and you always hear about like, who's your neighbor? And they're like, don't think about your physical neighbor. Your neighbor can be anybody. And I think we've done such a great job thinking about who's our neighbor. That's not actually our neighbor, but it's made us forget our actual neighbor. And this is something Phil and I have struggled um, with. And so For us, when we moved to College Station, we looked at a couple of the churches, and we found several churches that we really liked in Bryan, um, across town, but the reality of time it took for us to leave our house to get to those churches, it could be 25, 30 minutes, which I know for all the Dallas people and everywhere else, they're just kind of mocking me on that, and and I get that, but we thought our goal is to be able to, to love our neighbors who are actually our physical neighbors, and the goal is to be able to invite them into church, and so... We're wanting to find a church that's closer to our house, so that way we can be a church that's actually in our community. Um, Because it's very easy, tempting to go somewhere where you fit in more comfortable an hour away or just podcast. But how are we reaching people, inviting them into our spiritual growth community? And so for us, it was to have that church in our actual community. And so I, I feel like for us, it was kind of first going, what is our purpose in our community that we're living in? And Phil and I were going, we actually need to be in it. Uh, We can be very easily tempted to, you know, he works with college students all the time. I work with a lot of women um, from the strip club or sex industry. And so we can easily go and skip over and drive past our neighbors. And so we're like, so how do we actually engage our neighbors? And so, through our church has kind of given us a couple opportunities. Us having kids and kind of being in a, in a um, an area where it's young families, it was doing backyard Bible clubs in the summertime. You know, signing up to host one of those, mm-hmm. and and the not even necessarily always having spiritual focus, but even trying to figure out a national night out, going okay, let's rally the neighbors and let us host it at our home, mm-hmm. and having a having a movie night, you know, in our front yard or having a March Madness watch party at our house.
0: Mm.
1: And we just keep trying to find opportunities of inviting people to our house or to our front yard. Because a lot of times when when people don't know you and going into someone's actual house or going to the backyard can be intimidating. But if we can do things outside where they feel there's still some level of comfort um, we're more likely to engage in them. Yeah,
0: that's and good.
1: so, so for us, it's, it's been, it's been posting things on the next door neighbor app, um, posting things on the mailboxes and, and trying to find ways to actually physically engage with them. Um, mm. this year for Easter, what we did, um, and bringing my kids into it was we went and egged different people's yards with like <laughs> plastic eggs and put candy in them and put a little note And we went and put them into all the different yards that had kids in them. That's so fun. And trying to find ways of engaging them going, okay, you're not coming to our house. We're coming to you. Um, (laughs) and, And getting my kids involved.
0: That's great. I love that. That's such a good idea. And those are just some really practical ways of getting people. I like specifically that you said you know, doing things outside. Because that can be scary. I think about myself and if somebody, you know, just my neighbor invited me over, that would be intimidating to, if I don't trust them or know them very well, you know, it's good to first build that trust by doing something like that. So what do you think it could look like for young girls, even in, you know, maybe college or coming out of college, you know, we don't have families as an excuse of like, come on over and let's just have our kids hang out. You know, it's you know it looks a lot different when you're single and on your own. So what do you think that could look like?
1: I think you're trying to engage your neighbors as a whole when you don't actually know them or haven't laid eyes on them in the sense of, this is another girl's house, this is another young guy's house. If you are going, I legitimately don't know who's in this apartment complex or I don't know who's in this street. Apartments are a lot tougher, but thinking of street-wise... It may be the fact of like, hey, we're having um, having a fire pit and having s'mores. Like, we'll provide the s'mores, you bring your drink, or having like a Fourth of July, like let's watch the fireworks from our yard, or um, having like a planned event like that where you're going, we'll provide this and you bring your own. But I think it may be, I think for one of the things that we've had to learn is we had to spend more time in our front yard um, in order to get to know our neighbors. Um, I've heard it talked about how one of the biggest crises that happened to the American culture was garage doors because it it shifted the culture with so many people because they get home, they drive in their garage, and they get out. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't allow people to engage anymore. And so trying to find ways, even if it's just you you and your roommate spending more time in the front yard either reading or hammocking or um, doing yard work ironically uh, we've talked about this in the past about me doing yard work or just even watering the grass or pulling weeds. I've gotten to know more of our neighbors just cause they're walking up and down or I'm mm-hmm. talking to them as they go get mail and it's and finding ways to stay in your front yard. So that will give opportunities to create um, conversations with those walking by.
0: Yeah, that's good. Cause you know, I do think that Jesus was, meant it literally right when he said in his biggest commandment to love your neighbor as yourself so and i you know a lot of people do just take that literally because they say okay i can love my neighbor i can go over and bring them cookies during the holidays mm-hmm. um, but that also goes to so many other areas of our life too it's not just literal but it also meant to spread out to all other areas of our life. So what do you think loving your neighbor looks like in a work environment?
1: Work can be so much. It can be the blessing and curse because you either can click with people because you spend so much time with them. And so there's easier conversations because um, you have that proximity in so many hours, you know. Mm-hmm. You think about people that you work with; they're really the people around that you're most you're you're awake and spend the most communication time all week, all day, more so than true. anybody else, more than your roommates, more than your family, more than your small group. And so you have a lot of this quantity time, but we fell on the quality time because the reality is you got hired because you need to work, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And, um, especially if you work in a in a job that is not vocational ministry, even even a person. That, you know, for us, I worked in vocational ministry jobs, and that are all about advancing the gospel. But at the end of the day, I had reports I had to do. I had things I was responsible, and it didn't include how many intentional conversations I had. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was doing well. And so, I think one of the first practical things I could give to somebody is. Work hard at your job. Do your job with excellence. Because if you're not doing your job with excellence and you're not being an example of Christ in that way, any other further conversation you're going to have with anybody, it's going to be hard to be taken serious. Mm-hmm. Because if I see you a person of lacking character in your work and mm-hmm. lacking character in how you treat people around you or respond to your boss or just your, um, just your commitment to the company, then you trying to come and have this intentional conversation about Jesus, it's it's almost going to be mocking everything about who God is. Right. And so first and foremost, I'd say whatever you do, whatever you drink, however you work, do it in the name of the Lord first. And so mm-hmm. do, that, do that well, and then look for opportunities to build a relationship outside of work. You know, if you have, um, if there's somebody that makes sense um, to connect with, like, hey, let's go grab lunch sometime or like, Hey, you know, let's go hang out or there's a different event or there's a concert or movie is trying to find an um, appropriate person to have that time outside of work. Because as long as you have it inside of work, you're going to be limited on the conversation, especially if you're a school teacher, you may be limited on how much you can have. There's some areas that you may be limited in the actual conversation, but building that relationship is going to be crucial. And finding opportunities to actually build the relationship first. Um, so that way, if you get to move that uh, move that conversation towards spiritual matters, that way it's set out of trust and a deeper relationship. That way they felt that they, you care about them and they're more likely to receive that information.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. You have to have that relational piece first, or they're not going to want to hear what you have to say. They have to trust you as a person by seeing how you're responding to them, how you're responding to others, how you're doing your job, right? All of those things play in. And then, you know, that's what they're supposed to notice first, right? Absolutely. Not just what you're saying, but how you are living out the gospel and saying, this person seems different. This person looks different. And that's what we're called to. We're called to be set apart. And so I right. totally agree with that. Um, so what do you think it looks like, you know, once you do connect with um, somebody at work on that level, you can tell they, they trust you um, on just a, I think we get a long basis. Uh, how do you think bringing up those conversations comes about?
1: Well, I think naturally, as you develop relationships with anybody, you're going to start finding ways to bring them more into your story and sharing about what's going on in your life. You know, when you first meet someone, you know, the nice southern thing to do is when they ask, how are you? Good. How's things going? They're going great or They're fine. Like you keep very surface level. But as you continue to get to know somebody and they're asking, like, how's your day going? You can say, man, it's it's been a harder one. And it's like, oh, what's going on? Well, I just got a phone call from my mom. Or I had a doctor's appointment. You know, you're like, because you're always going to have heart. I mean, the reality is there's always going to be heart around the corner. You're always receiving difficult information um, somewhere along your way within a week. You know, And and you can invite them into part of that story. And when you invite them in, you also get to invite them how you're processing that through your faith. Right you know, a lot of times that it's very easy for us to want to be focused on pointing people to reading scripture and and that's where we ultimately want to go. But the first time people want to read scripture is how it reached through you. Mm -hmm. And so it's being able to show how that scripture has gone through you first for them to see how that, how that looks and, Mm -hmm. and how that impacts a person's lives. And so letting them in on that process as as you're, as you're working through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, la- and letting them in, like, I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know God is good and God cares. And then that's going to, they're going to be more interested in, or they may open up, you know, part of the story back there's stuff that's coming difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing is letting them into yours first. Um, and it may take some time before they're ever going to be willing to open up about theirs. And that's okay. You know, so many times we want to go for this. Okay, I'll give you one difficult story. Now you give me one difficult story. You know, mm-hmm. we're all like, okay, I've given you two to three. So it's your turn to tell me about yours. And that's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay. Because we trust people that are around us. We trust that these people who God's placed into our life. And, and it's being able to, to continue open up. And, and these are people that you're looking at who your neighbor are, is your neighbor from you, like who's across the street, your neighbor at your work of going, these are people that I'm going to be in their life. They're going to be in my life because we're, we're physically crossing each other, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the street, we're crossing each other at work. And so be okay that it's going to take a little bit of time right. because that, that time is worth it.
0: Yes, because it's just not going to be received if you are immediately, hey, you know, what's your view of God? Do you believe in God? You know, they're immediately going to be, s- going to stand back and not receive it well, right? I- absolutely. I like that you said, you know, when asked, how are you doing? To be able to be honest about what that looks like, but then not to just be negative about it, right? So a lot yeah. of times. A lot of people can be really good about, you know, being honest about where they're actually at, but staying in kind of a negative state about it. So the difference being things are hard, but this is the truth I know. And so that's what I'm hanging on to, even though it is hard, Uh, because a lot of times I think it's easy to just get stuck in this. Yeah, I can be honest, but I'm not going to I'm not going to pull myself back up kind of thing. Uh, so being able to like show them, you know, Hey, yes, I'm having a hard time in this area, but God is faithful. And this is what I'm hanging on to.
1: Yeah. And, and as you bring up a great point, just as you talk about, it's easy for people to go negative really fast. I think a lot of times kind of like what we talk, talked about this past week um, on the last one was feeling like when you be God's PR manager, We also don't feel like we need to like spirit over spiritualize it and fluff it like it's Mm -hmm. been hard, but God is good and he's going to work it all out. And like, I mean, don't worry. It's like, don't feel like you saying it's hard or you're in a dark season or you're in a hard time. Don't feel like the person's like, if you didn't spin it and share three scripture verses that the person's (laughs) salvation is like lost, Yeah, you know, or, you know, like their state of their spiritual life is in your response in that second. Right. I think I think the culture more than ever is craving authentic Christians. They're creating this authenticity of Christians who are in the waiting season, who are in the day twos. You know, uh, I don't know. My world just got rocked yesterday and God said he's with me and he's for me. And, you know, I'm I'm crushed, but not destroyed. You know, I'm pierced, but not persecuted, like going, I feel pretty destroyed, you know, and it, and it's trying to in that moment that the world is waiting to see who do you say that your God is when things are messy, mm-hmm. when things are falling around and so I think it's this time period of us going, I believe this, even though I feel like I just got the wind knocked out of me, but I still believe it's truth. But it's the only thing I have to hold on to right now because it's hard. And I think that people need to, people need to see that it's, we can be in difficult seasons and God still can be good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and they don't need to see that. Through or hear that through our words, they need to see that through our actions. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's it's bringing people into that time period, um, when we don't know all the story yet, and for them to process, watch us as we're processing that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Okay, so let's kind of transition to what it might look like to love your neighbor in a church in your church setting.
1: Man, I always joke that I think church is the hardest place for me. Um, Sunday is the hardest week of ministry for me. One, Christians can be difficult, and that's just, y'all, that's the truth. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I enjoy apes uh, in the time non-believers more than I do believers, and I hate that. Well, I love that. I, I don't know. I have such mixed feelings, so tune in to next week. Um, I'm not coming back next Part week. Part three I...
0: coming. Jean Marie talking about. This is really turning into Jean Marie
1: processing live.
0: <laughs> Sorry that you are coming along. This is the Emma Jean Marie therapy yeah. sessions recorded <laughs> yes. for everyone to hear. Yes, yes.
1: Where do I send my copay? <laughs> um, <laughs> but Sundays can be hard because we're supposed to love each other and we're all there for the same reason. You know, at least that's what our desire, our hope is for everybody's there for the same reason. But yet we are still a hot, broken mess people. We are broken people in a broken world who do broken things. And so um, we can set in small group class and you can have someone who's always running with the conversation and they just drive you nuts. And you're like, they have their own agenda or they're just here to get buried. And, you know, they're just running all over the place. You're going, oh, my gosh, why is the teacher not shutting this down? And then you have <laughs> people who are showing up who never talk. Um, and it's going why do they even show up you know and then you have people that you have back history with and you had never worked through that conversation um, and so there's just so much that can be difficult setting in a in, in a setting that is to worship God but yet we are still broken sinners and people may overshare or people in your opinion may undershare and it's trying to figure out out where you're supposed to be in that process, how to run your race and seeking God without comparing yourself around with other people or operating in fear of if you do speak, will they think that I'm better than them? Will they think that I'm dumber than them? Do they think that I don't understand God if I'm trying to ask uh, a spiritual question or on this verse? You know, you have you have all these fears that kick in that will make you want to, shut it down, you know, in your head that doesn't allow you to engage. Or you feel the need to communicate more. And so there's so much that's going on. And I, I think that it's just very tempting for us to go into church feeling that we need to have more of a PR person in church than any time we do during the whole week. Mm-hmm. Because these are our people, you know, th- these are where we're supposed to belong. This is our community. These are supposed to be our best friends and our bridesmaids and our wedding. And who knows, maybe even her husband, like mm-hmm. this is where we feel the most pressure out of the whole week because we spend the less time with them more than anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: it's the pressure that we feel like if we don't get anything else, right, this is what we got to get right this week. Mm-hmm. And so how do we do that? And I, I think that can be the hardest. And I think if I had to give any advice is is breathe. Yeah. Take that pressure off and, like, let's find freedom and and remove that pressure off of ourselves because we can't. We can't live this life of trying to do what people are expecting around us, you know, because we're always Mm going to keep feeling like we have all these unmet expectations uh, for other people or for ourselves. The joke joke was um, in our old church when we used to live in New Braunfels, one of my best friends that came out of that church is one of the girliest girls you can imagine. I mean, she is, I call her still Magnolias. That's my nickname <laughs> for her. She is, I mean, foo-foo to the top and everything that she does. Her kids dress, she has blogs, and she has high followings. of. People want to know what her kids wear to school. Other hand, on my daughter, I... <laughs> called her Spicy Taco, and I'm trying to think, did she even brush her hair today? She never matches. <laughs> the girl just beats to her own drum. And so um, this friend, her, her real name is Ashley, but Ashley and I met in small group, and I get dressed up on Sunday. I wash my hair and brush my teeth through all the things that um, a good Southern lady is supposed to do.
0: I'm proud that you, you know, think that you need to brush your teeth and shower for Jesus. It's a good thing.
1: Yes. You, you do your best for Sunday. I, you know, I'm trying to explain the same things to my kids right now. <laughs> and so, um, but anyway, Ashley met me at church on Sunday and she goes, Ooh, I'm going to be friends with her because she is also a girly girl and we're going to become friends because she's funny, loves Jesus. And she's a girly girl. And so Ashley and I met in church multiple times, a small group came good friends. And then, um, she was like, Hey, let's hang out during the week. And then she saw me hang out during the week, which I worked for a camp at the time, and I still have a camp girl mentality. And, of course, I'm a farm girl growing up on a farm. No, didn't wash my hair, no makeup. I'm, like, in, like, leggings and T-shirt. And <laughs> it was like this, oh, <laughs> like, you are not who I thought you are. <laughs> but at that point in time, we've already committed to our friendship. We've already gotten to know each other so Wow. Well. And, <laughs> and we've developed this relationship. And now, I mean, even people in our small group laughed so hard. They're going, y'all legitimately could be, could not be any further different from each other. But yet, y'all are such best friends. Mm-hmm. And, and she's moved away in Utah. And, of course, I moved away. But we still remain such close friends. So that was the joke when we moved to College Station. She was telling me. She goes, now, Jim, marie remember, don't go around judging people and looking for camp people to be your best friends because... He may miss me, you oh, know? That's and, funny. and so I just kept laughing when I moved here. I was going, okay. Cause when I would go to all these women's events and I would go to everything, I'm going, okay, who's like me, who can I connect with? Who's going to be my best friend here? And, and who am I going to click with? And I had to kept telling myself, like, don't keep looking for people who, you know, her, who are camp, campy mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, look for people that are different because they may be your Ashley, They may be, your still Magnolia. And so, um, <laughs> And so I just love that Um, and something I love sharing with people, you know, in the, in the culture today, everybody always talks about this tribe mentality, like me and my tribe are like, you know, following people on Twitter and Instagram. They're like, I literally
0: have a shirt for my school that says like, it has our school name and it says, love my tribe.
1: Yes. Everything's Mm -hmm. so tribal mentality. And in theory, that's that's fantastic. You know, you're looking for people that you can build this community, and in, in this ability where you're together and you're in it together. Um, the only thing I have a struggle with with the tribe mentality is, is when you look at tribes. You know, we typically think of Africa. When you look at them, they're all alike. You know, mm-hmm. they 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 dress the same. They have very much set culture standards and they they dance or they do their tribal thing and they all do it the same and I feel like there's so much lost value in that because you only have one area to grow in Mm -hmm. and it's basically who can dance the best that way who can dress the best in that way versus if we kind of skip and go back to the village people's mentality you know, when you think of the, the village people, um, the YMCA people, you got your <laughs> intern and you got your policeman. you have your construction worker, like you have all these different guys who bring different things right. to, to the group. And so I think, man, what a beautiful picture, uh, outside of a beautiful song they sing, but what a, what a beautiful picture of wanting and finding a village of people who bring their uniqueness to mm-hmm. the table to form something so great. Because now you're able to learn from several different people who bring things to the table, and you're able to learn from the placement. You're able to learn from the chief, um, versus with the tribe, you're limited to one, one way. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I always kind of joke with people, uh, you know, at Impact uh, as incoming freshmen are coming into AM. I'm going, it's easy to look for your your tribe coming in easy to look around the circle like oh we went to that same camp or Mm -hmm. oh we we both want to be nursing or oh we want to both like go into engineering and let's meet up and let's be friends Mm -hmm. it's easy to find people who are like you or I mean let's get real people who sin like you Mm -hmm. you know and and like oh we have the same struggles let's click together Mm -hmm. Uh, and so what I challenge people is 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 stop looking for the tribe and, like, look for your village um, because so that, that's where we're going to grow. And that's where not only we're going to get to grow, but we're also going to be a part of other people's story of them growing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something I've been really convicted of lately of just, the you know, taking a look at the people that are in my circle, right, that I go to most and thinking about, man, those people you know, in a sense, look a lot like me. Um, We have similar struggles, different things like that. And just being convicted of that is not like how the Lord designed it. Like um, whether it is your skin color, uh, which is a big one. Absolutely. Whether it is, you know, yeah, what you struggle with um, as far as sin. A lot of those different things play into the people that we look for, right? We, we, it's really, it is, like you said, easy to gravitate towards somebody that just looks like you and can relate to you on a really easy level. But how are we going to grow as Christians if we just surround ourselves with people that are just like us, you know, instead of having somebody that is different, maybe looks different, maybe acts different, right? How can we, how can we find those people and say, okay, maybe... Maybe they're not going to be as easy to love uh, because they are so different, or maybe they will be because we just complement each other so much, right? Because what your strengths are might be my weaknesses, and so you might be able to encourage me in how to look more like Christ because of how you can sharpen me. But if we're all the dull crayon, then how are we all (laughs) going to be sharpened?
1: That's right it's it's so true I remember in college my accountability partner that I met with couldn't have been any different than I could have been because the reality was it's so easy for friends to be able to dismiss a lot of things We're like oh well of course that's going to happen of course you're going to struggle with wanting to get the attention of the cute boy in class or you know of course you're going to want to dress like this and like whatever it is like my roommate and my best friend was just a copy and paste of me you know we were so similar but my accountability partner, she was more focused on academics. She was more focused on service and behind the scenes, you mm-hmm. know, and serving different areas. And and that was not me, uh, especially in the academic part. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like us talking together and working through scripture and asking each other hard questions was she didn't dismiss <laughs> things that I wanted her to dismiss, which ultimately I, I really deep down wanted even though it brought a lot of uncomfortableness, mm-hmm. And so like going back when we talked about the church, the church can be the hardest settings for us because there is such a mixing pot of Christians at times mm-hmm. who come from different angles. And there's times that we want to go set by the person who's most like us. But like I, I encourage all the listeners going, sit by the people who make you uncomfortable mm-hmm. and ask them questions and get to know them they just might be your still Magnolia. You know, they just might be someone that pushes and challenges you. And you might uh judge them completely different than what who they truly are mm-hmm. is because they're getting off of they're they're showing a different side of them that's not the full story. Because how many times do people you want when you go to church, you want people to see fully see who you are. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, man, think about it, Emma, like when you go to your small group, what percentage do you think people actually know about you?
0: 45.
1: For, 45. I'm just like picturing that like, um price is right. The will roll. Okay. <laughs> you've got to hit the 55 will to hit a hundred percent.
0: I don't know. I think it, I think, you know, I, I was in a women's Bible study um, as my, my small group this semester. Mm-hmm. And, You know, it was one of those where I felt like I ended up doing a lot of the talking and it wasn't comfortable for me at first. Um, I think it was like one of the first times where I was like really comfortable with being able to just be like, this is where I'm at, you know, and not and not worried about what people were going to say or think. But again, I don't think that they know me, right? They know what I'm saying and what I've what I've. Uh, Written down in my little journal and read off this beautifully written piece, you know, of my response to the different questions or whatever, but they don't know me necessarily. They might get bits and pieces of, you know, I've had a hard time with anxiety or I have a history of codependency or whatever it is, like just sprinkles, but not going deep, you know? Right. So... Yeah, let's go fifty-five.
1: Fifty-five. Okay, the winner, going on. winner. <laughs> I think you're gonna make the showcase showdown now. Okay, here we go. <laughs> but you like you think about so as you said that you are more of the talker, you know, in the group. So think about people who weren't the talker, or you think about the people who are more quiet in the group. Like, what is the percentage of of you knowing them, you know? And you, and you look at that number and think. We so easily go, ah, I think we're going to click or I don't think, I'm. you know, I connect with this person, in the Bible study. And when we come in and find our seat, we naturally will gravitate towards that person and ask them things that they said in the previous weeks and talk with them. But we're missing out on other people just because they're not shown as many as cards. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's being able to say, hey, I'm willing to get to know this person and know more about them. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to be best friends with everybody in the group, I just want to challenge people going, look for people in the village. Don't look just for your tribe
0: mm-hmm. when you're
1: showing up. And, and and in these settings like this where you can pick and choose, mm-hmm. you know, in this environment. Because when your work buddies and your neighbors, you don't get to pick and choose them. It's like you get what you get and you don't throw a fit kind of
0: mentality. <laughs> yeah.
1: But with the church community is there are some people that are sitting in that circle um, or on that couch that, they're going to stretch and grow you, and and for the extroverts in the group, it's easy for us to come in and, and kind of give and take a little bit. But for the introverts, they're needing somebody to kind of maybe fight for them. And maybe it's not necessarily introverts so much as as different numbers on the Enneagram. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's and it's being able to go and like, hey, I'm willing, I'm willing to to ask you one question this week, and and next week maybe two questions, or just keep trying to spend time and let the awkwardness kind of set there because you don't know what their backstory is you don't know what's Mm -hmm. going on in the week man they they may have a mom just dying of cancer they may have an abusive situation going on an abusive relationship with their boyfriend Mm -hmm. that is such really heavy stuff that they're not comfortable sharing until they're in a trusted relationship in a trusted environment and so we have to earn that and so I think it's being able to put time into other relationships in those circles, on those couches, because we need to fight for them, mm-hmm. and also they're going to bring truth for us. You know, I have a particular um, a relationship, a particular friend um, from our old small group back at our church, our old church in New Brompole. It's One of the quietest girls in our class, and I was thinking, man, she and I can never be friends. It's like she does not talk. On top of it, I'm just going to be real with you. She is utterly beautiful and <laughs> super thin, and she's an orthopedic surgeon. Okay. Oh, so, like,
0: okay. it's one of the
1: it's one of them people that you're like, um, why do listen, you get
0: all those things?
1: Yeah. Like, this, this is our friendship's not going to work out. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't see this moving forward. And so, I am. <laughs> I, um, she wasn't on top of my list to be friends with and through a series of events, actually over the bachelor, we had a bachelor uh, oh boy. watching party, but through kind of getting to know each other through small things, we kind of started getting to know each other and started sharing each other's stories. And then we all, then we signed up for a half marathon and then we all started walking together and talking and then started finding things out about her marriage. And then, um, ultimately times, um, got very difficult and led for her divorce and more. Mm-hmm. She's been on an, even a more difficult road since then, but I've been on that road with her and she has invited me in on that road um, through that difficult time with her. And even though that times that I've had a constant reminder, she's like, I still can't believe you're here with me. Like, thank mm-hmm. you all. Thank you so much for being here with me. Like you're such a good friend. Like she has such a different view because I have learned so much about God through her mm-hmm. journey. And how she's handled her journey and how I get such a front row seat of seeing God work in incredible ways mm-hmm. um, in my life because her letting me in. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's for us to be able to say us being a part of other people's story will bless our life significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing in the process, it's not a one way street that it is a two way street in any friendship.
0: Okay, so. What do you think would probably be the biggest challenge in truly loving our neighbors well?
1: Uh, you know, I think for me and and to listeners, I think we're all running at too high of a capacity in our life. Uh, we feel this need to constantly be moving, to constantly be doing things. Um, and then when we come home, we finally hit our couch. We want to veg out and do nothing more. And so I think we just, we, we have not created enough margin in our life to be able to look around and going, man, how can I love my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not asking that question when we have margin in our life. We're asking ourselves that question when we're when we're packing for an event or if we're, we're trying to get our hair in rollers or we're about to jump in the car mm-hmm. and we're thinking about things that we could be doing, but we can't be doing it because there's no margin in our life. Right. You know, I and, and that's something that I constantly fell at. And, and I was actually talking to one of my dear friends here last night about that as well, going, we can't even get together with our supper club, with our friends that are supposed to be investing back into each other because we're all operating at, with, with nothing left. Mm-hmm. And, and this is not healthy. We're, we're not healthy in this area. But we think it's okay because we're doing good. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I, I feel like Satan's biggest scheme or biggest victory is keeping us busy, you know, in our life. Oh yes. Um and so that we feel like well we're impacting we're impacting people as we're going, but are we impacting the people that God has designed us for? Mm. Um and so when when we look at Jesus in the Bible and the way that he lived, you know, many of the times of many of his miracles or healings or the teaching that he stops He's on his way somewhere. He's always on the path. He's on the road. And you you find out that he saw the need, he stopped, and he met the need. Yes. You know, and so through a lot of the church's initiatives or Bible studies, you know, they're teaching us how to open our eyes, open our eyes, like see the need, see the need. If anybody can relate to me, I, I can do a pretty decent job of seeing the need. And once the blue moon, I may be able to stop but I have a difficult time meeting that need. Mm. I, I see the need as I'm flying down the road, trying to make one event to the next event. I, I see the need through social media as I'm scrolling through, but mm-hmm. I'm so sick and tired or I'm exhausted. Um, I, I don't have the margin to stop it. And most of all, I even have more difficulty to meet it because mm. that even takes more time. It mm-hmm. takes more it takes more margin that I don't I already have that time or money allocated somewhere else.
0: Right.
1: And so I think it's figuring out how to declutter our schedule mm-hmm. of, of asking ourselves: of Is my schedule what the schedule that that God has designed for me? The, the schedule that God wants for me? Mm-hmm. Or am I doing too many things that are in other people's lanes? Mm-hmm. You know, I I think um, all the time that going I I'm in too many lanes. Like, mm-hmm. any anybody, for me, I'm um, I'm asking, like, anybody to lead this Bible at church, why am I leading this Bible study? Mm-hmm. Am I leading this Bible study because God wants me to lead this Bible study? Or am I leading it because someone asked me to? And I physically have the ability, so I said yes. Or am I doing it because it's an expectation of me, mm-hmm. you know? And I find myself saying yes because I can, but just because I can doesn't necessarily means I should.
0: Right. There's and a... So, there's a, have you heard of the book The Best Yes by Lisa Turkerst?
1: Oh yes, absolutely. I have it on my shelf.
0: <laughs> it is a good one. I have given that book to a couple of people. Uh, first of all, I highly enjoyed it myself, but yeah, gave it to. A, I've given it to a couple of people because um, that's just a big one. I mean, you know, in me or for me in college, I saw that a lot um, in myself in the beginning. Uh, and had to come to a place where I just all of a sudden didn't have a lot on my plate, and i was I felt like I wasn't worthy because because my plate wasn't full and yeah. then he started to bring me all of these different things and started to realign my priorities in a way that I was like I realized, okay, Lord, uh I had it all out of whack, you know, and I want to do this for your glory and Then I saw the other side of it um towards the end of college when you know, I was really trying to dive in deep to, to friendships and, um, people in my life. And the answer I always got was, I'm, I'm too busy. I'm sorry. I'm too busy. And it was so frustrating for me because I wanted to shake some of those people and say, this is what matters. The Bible study here and the, um, Uh, serving in this way over here and over here and stretching yourselves out, which doing those things are great, but stretching yourself thin and not being able to dive in deep is just not worth it. And it doesn't end up giving you anything fruitful because you're just spreading yourself thin instead of going deep. And so that was something that I struggled with so much because it was, I'm busy, I'm sorry, and, and I was so confused, because I said, how is, um, being accountable for each other, and being able to say, this is where I'm at, and living life in real community, not top on that list, you know, but it just takes the best yes, right, it takes the, I realize that this is what's most important, and yes, yes, The Lord has called me to serve or he has called me to to dive into this Bible study or whatever it is. All those things are good, but it is a matter of realigning your priorities. Do you agree?
1: Absolutely. I think that in our culture, especially in the U.S., and on top of that, added on to the Bible Belt, we are such gluttons when it comes Mm -hmm. to biblical activities or spiritual activities we feast on that mm-hmm. but yet we are starving in so many different other areas of actually pouring that out you know like we want to fill ourselves up want to fill our cup up but like we're losing that content because we're overflowing not necessarily because we're pouring it into other areas of our life and, and mm-hmm. we're being wasteful in that area and so I feel like God keeps waking me up on that opinion. And and I've had to learn for me the practical ways in moving forward in my life is looking at my schedule and going, Okay, I have this much this many hours and this many meals, you know, afternoons or or evenings that are available for um, college students. Mm-hmm. This this many spaces that are available for um People in crisis, you know, or t- excuse me, take that back. Let me back up. I-, I feel like for me, I had to go back and look at my schedule where I would pack my schedule out two weeks in advance. Like you asked me like, hey, what do you have available in two weeks or what do you have coming up? And I could look at my schedule and go, okay, my next lunch is available in two weeks on Thursday. Oh, my. And y'all, that is not good. <laughs> that is so not good because I'm not creating any room for the Holy Spirit. I always joke about there's a song, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, mm-hmm. you know, song, and that's so good. But yet, yeah, I feel like that is the way, that is how our heart is set. Like, we schedule our life, and we're like, okay, Lord, I got the schedule planned this week. You're welcome to come with me. Like, <laughs> here it is. Here it is. Here's when we need to show up. So you're welcome to show up at lunch at 12 o'clock at Mad Taco, you know, <laughs> but like, that should not be our mentality. Our our mentality should be set up like, Holy Spirit, show me where to go. Mm. Holy Spirit, show me where you're going. And I'm not going to move until I know where you're going and I'm going to join you. And so for me, it's kind of coming back and going, okay, I'm looking at my schedule. Okay, here's my kids activities. Some of those are just not movable unless God tells me different. So I put those in and then I look at my husband's schedule and figure out if I need to be somewhere or need to make pigs in a blanket for whatever reason, for whatever <laughs> event. And, and then I start looking at, like, okay, let me put a few friends in and then I need to leave the rest open. Because the reality with um, my friends from um, the commercial sex industry, I get called at random times and there's just no way of scheduling that. It's just mm-hmm. not possible. And so I just need to keep um, twice as amount of space open than what I think this that week's schedule is going to look like. And when those calls come, I, you know, I, I respond if I can respond, but I also need to create margin for me responding to any situation on top of creating space for also rest in my mm-hmm. life um, versus me just having everything utterly booked. And so I'm creating margin for the unexpected time and I'm also creating margin for rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are two things that I would say no matter if you're in the 20-something, you're in the 30-something, you're 40-somethings, like, we're all going to contribute to saying life is busy. Mm-hmm. And and I think for me, some of the most painful text messages and phone calls I've been getting in the past, I would say two years, is people who start off going, I'm sorry, I know you're busy. But, and I'm like, oh, I hate when people start off with that with me. Mm-hmm. Um, because it shows me that I am not showing... I'm, 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 not leaning in well. Mm-hmm. Um, if their first response is, "I don't want to bother you," or "I know you're busy," um, I, I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing things well, or I'm not balancing things well. I'm not mm-hmm. managing my schedule well, and so for me, it's it's being able to back that up and to create that margin in my life, um, to be able to respond better.
0: Mm-hmm. Because that's just—I feel like I was kind of getting—that they feel like it's maybe a burden, right? Yeah, you know, if you yeah. if you can pencil me in, then that you know I would really appreciate that. But people should know that—that that it's like a—I will drop everything I'm doing if you need me, kind of friend, right?
1: Right, and and the reality is, it is going to be a burden. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be times true. it it is going to be a burden. I was. One of my dear friends here, um, her name is Abby Perry, and we live pretty close to each other. We both, you know, we're in the ministry, our husbands are in the ministry, and, and we have small kids, and we try to swap off with each other's kids and help each other out a lot. And, and we have to constantly say, it's okay to inconvenience me. Like, mm-hmm. you, you are worth the inconvenience. Like, right. I'm not, I'm not going to act like, oh my gosh, it's so easy, it's not a big deal. It's going, yeah, it, i think make my day a little bit harder, but you're worth it.
0: Yeah, you're love, worth it. love is sacrifice, right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be able to only respond if it doesn't have a cost. Um, and we need to do a better job at showing that, saying, yeah, it's been a full week, but how I want to be here for you. And that's what we all want to hear, is, mm-hmm. is being able to be that friend that we so desperately want, mm-hmm. um, because that's what impacts people's lives. That's what... Ultimately, goes back, we get to show people how the Bible has gone through us mm-hmm. um, instead of just showing them scripture. I love that. Um, you know, many people say, like, we're the first Bible. Many people will read.
0: Mm. And
1: so, like, we need to take a step back and show them, like, what Bible are we showing people?
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, I kind of just got this, like, picture while you were talking of you know, there's a million different examples of Jesus doing this, um, in the gospels, but of him, you know, kind of like you were saying earlier about how he sees the need, he saw the need, he would stop and meet it. Right. He wasn't mm-hmm. like, Oh, sorry, women at the well. I actually, I have a speaking engagement, uh, in about 10 minutes. And so I'm going to need a piece out, uh, no, he he literally drops everything to meet that need. And it's always the people that no one is expecting, right? right? It's always those people. It's never people that look like Jesus. Don't know what he looks like, but I wish he did. <laughs> uh, but we can just only imagine that it's not the people that look like Jesus, the people that think that they are um following him the best or living up to the laws the best right we don't see any really stories about those people it's all the unwanted and the lowly he's always going to those people and so you know it's realizing how are we doing that in our own lives instead of just being surrounded by the religious leaders and the people that are just like us and that are walking like Jesus. How can we go to those that are considered unwanted to us or so lowly or dirty or just so far gone? Because Jesus always saw those people and ran to them. And so I think that just kind of fits in with everything we've been talking about of you know, just being more like Jesus in how and how we act. And that's that's our whole purpose here. Right? Um, right. And so trying not to get too bogged down by trying to uh, put on a fake face, especially when we are around the people that are believers and that we're trying to, like, live up to some sort of idea that we're supposed to be greater Uh, or live up to some idea, like what we were saying about filling our schedules. A lot of people's worth, and that was me at one point too, lies in how many titles they have, how many different areas they're serving. And that's just not what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to invest, um, Mm -hmm. And so just kind of wrapping up, do you have, you know, anything else you'd like to add about just how to uh, cultivate community with um, the people that maybe don't necessarily look like us and and just how to be vulnerable with them?
1: I guess, you know, thinking about people that are different than us is be okay with awkward. Um, I, I imagine the disciples that were following, you know, in the years with Jesus, they felt a lot of awkward moments um, as they encountered different people or were trying to convince Jesus, like, listen, they're not going to respond to you, <laughs> or we don't have place here, or, or we don't have um, credibility here. And I, just be okay being awkward and feeling the awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like in that time is when we start depending on God instead of depending on making our words sound good or instead of trying to polish the gospel. And, you know, sometimes we're going to use the gospel with our words and straight out like a Juan is taught us, right? But <laughs> ma- majority of the time it's going to looking out of, of sharing the gospel in your life and how you live your life and how the gospel is impacting your life, Um and, and I think for me, um, it, I'm not going to lie to you, there are still, still hard moments with her um, because we have different understanding on life and, and the way that we think life is going or the, path, uh, the right path in life. But that friend in particular teaches me so much about God. And so I, I would say, just don't get discouraged when you're not seeing the results of the person and the decisions that they're making in life. Be encouraged the fact that you're being obedient, mm. because I think we spend so much time on wanting to see fruit from our labor, seeing fruit from our actions of of, of crossing the street, talking to our neighbor, or having lunch with one of our coworkers, or go into you know the tenth fellowship that month from your small group or whatever like we want to see this fruit we want to see these transformations but being reminded that we're not in charge of the fruit we're in charge of the obedience Mm -hmm. and following God. So if we're if we're being obedient then celebrate that. Let let God deal with the fruit. But also too like don't be so focused on trying to change that person. Be inward looking and going, how is God changing you through the process? Are you trusting God? Are you leaning on his words? Are you looking and abiding in Him in the relationship? and so don't be so focused on on filling your basket with fruit as much as are you are trying to fill the ba- like fill your heart with god mm. and and I'm confident if you, if that 's more of your focus, naturally fruit will come. Mm-hmm. But if you're more focused on filling your basket with fruit than you are filling your heart with God, that fruit's going to go bad real quick.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and it may not actually be fruit. You're just filling it with pine combs.
0: <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs>
1: you're just filling it up, you know? Uh-huh. And so my challenge would be is like, check your motives. What is your strategy? Is your strategy coming from the Holy Spirit and to know Him and embody with Him first? focus on that and be listening and asking, Holy Spirit, where are you going? I'm going where you're going. Instead of going, Holy Spirit, this is our schedule this week. Let's go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that that would be my, my biggest, I guess, challenge.
0: Well, thank you, Jean-Marie. I super appreciate it. I, you know, I totally was excited when you said you wanted to continue the conversation because this is a big one and I especially loved just being able to talk about loving people that don't necessarily look the same as you instead of a tribal mentality having a village mentality and so thank you so much for sharing that with us hey you're being very
1: kind that I was saying I would want to talk more to listeners I would say last week was so bad I feel like I bombed and I was like Emma please tell me that the audio was so bad
0: because you were very gracious you're <laughs> awesome